Welcome back to Lightshed Research, where we read our research for your easy listening. May 4th, 2022. The cable broadband era is over. Where's the bottom for charter? We have been highlighting the competitive threats to cable operators on our weekly podcast, Twitter, and in our notes on wireless companies. But that's not enough. As Charter's stock declined, numerous investors asked if now is the right time to step in. We use that question to address our broader views on the future of connectivity in America. While we're at it, we initiated formal coverage of Charter with a neutral rating. We examine how things could get worse, but also where we might recommend purchase. Charter stock may appear cheap, but the narrative is unlikely to improve anytime soon. Consensus estimates need to fall, and management is likely to reduce stock repurchases. Most importantly, Charter's growth, margins, and competitive outlook make them look like a telco, and we don't think telco valuations are poised to expand. Subgrowth could be worse than expected. The consensus estimate for the all-important 2022 broadband subscriber growth as we headed into Charter's Q1 report last week was 840,000. It's now 690,000. Either one was a notable slowdown from its 1.3 million subscriber additions in 2019, and likely reason enough for investors to reconsider Charter's valuation multiple. Unfortunately, that consensus level of growth still represents a challenge to meet. We forecast 665,000 net ads this year. Our estimates deviate more notably from consensus beyond 2022, as we account for the proliferation of fiber overbuilds. We expect Charter's broadband net ads to drop to 575,000 in 2023 and to less than 300,000 by 2026. If wireless sustains the competitive impact that it has clearly delivered over the past two quarters, it's plausible that Charter's broadband subscriber base could contract within the next few years. That would be incrementally worse for the stock. Can ARPU sustain its growth? The consensus revenue growth outlook for Charter and other cable co's implies that broadband ARPU will continue to rise by 3% or more per year primarily from speed upgrades by existing subscribers. We do not believe that is sustainable, given the increasing competitive pressures. We moderate ARPU increases down to 1% by 2026, at which point we estimate that Charter's ARPU will exceed $70. This metric is rarely questioned by investors, but could be the next shoe to drop. These ARPU estimates combined with the subscriber outlook mentioned above result in a broadband service revenue estimate for charter that is $3 billion below consensus in 2026. Growing like a telco. Our 2023 total service revenue estimates are admittedly not notably below consensus, largely because of the nature of recurring revenue businesses. That differential expands over time. However, If our estimates prove to be accurate, it implies an unremarkable five-year compounded annual growth rate in total service revenue of just 2.2%. For context, our five-year CAGR estimate of service revenue for 
AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile are 1.9%, 0.9%, and 3.3% respectively. The terminal growth rate for all of these companies look very similar. Margin expansion helps growth. Charter's EBITDA margins are lower than telcos, but at least it has some tailwinds. As broadband grows as a percentage of overall revenue, Charter could benefit from margin expansion. This lifts our five-year CAGR estimate of its EBITDA to 3.8%. That compares to 5.6% for T-Mobile, 4.4% at AT&T, and 2.1% at Verizon. Again, these are similar, and it's hard to see large differentials in their terminal growth rates. Is 11% capital intensity sustainable? Charter's capital intensity is much lower than telcos, and yet their unlevered free cash flow margins still trail the telcos. For the past three years, Charter invested less than 11% of service revenue on network capex for its cable systems. That is well below the 18 to 25% of service revenue that national wireless operators are investing in their networks as they build out 5G and new thick blocks of spectrum. It's also well below the 16 to 19% capital intensity we expect for Altice over the next three years. Comcast and Charter believe that high splits and other capex light investments are suitable for the current competitive environment. Altice has a different view, and the wireless operators are investing in part to win broadband revenue share from cable operators. Investors should be asking if this level of capital intensity is sustainable. Ironically, it's the telcos that face skepticism by some analysts about their stated expectation to reduce capital intensity by 2025 when the 5G CapEx cycle abates. If Charter elected to increase its CapEx, we would reevaluate our market share expectations. However, we do not expect Charter's existing management team to veer from its current CapEx plans beyond the already announced $5 billion rural investment project. Management has a confident outlook of sustained growth and places high prioritization on share repurchases. Is share repurchase sustainable Charter at less than a leverage times ratio leverage? target of 4.0 to 4.5 times net debt to EBITDA, defined as the last 12 months of EBITDA? Debt leverage has not risen above that level since 2018, and that was negligible. If Charter maintained its $18 billion pace of share repurchase from 2021 into future years, we estimate its debt leverage would rise to 4.65 in 2022 and 4.9 in 2023. That does not seem like a prudent strategy given the rising rate environment. We expect Charter's share repurchase activity to be reduced by 22% in 2022 and 10% in 2023. It already began a reduction in Q1, which was a 10% decline compared to the prior year. Obviously, share repurchase can vary from quarter to quarter, but this was the first year-on-year reduction in share repurchase activity since Q2 of 2019. Empirical Valuation Bottoms Free cash flow matters for valuation, even if it is bolstered by underinvestment in the network and minimal taxes. Specifically, we believe a 10% free cash flow yield could attract investor attention for recurring revenue businesses. To be fair, there are plenty of examples of higher yielding recurring revenue businesses. 
Altisa's free cash flow yield now tops 20%. Valuation multiples are a function of growth and risk. We expect Charter to struggle to grow free cash flow organically over the next five years as its NOLs are running dry. Charter generated nearly $9 billion of free cash flow in 2021, and we don't believe that number will be very different in 2026. Share share repurchase activity can turn non-organic growers to headline growers and help to support valuation multiples. This was an Apple specialty in 2016 and 2019. The pullback in charter stock has increased the impact of its share repurchase activity on growth. We expect the five-year CAGR of charter's free cash flow per share to reach nearly 15%. How low can this go? If we fully taxed charter's free cash flow and applied a 10% free cash flow yield using the current share count, it would imply $355 per share. If wireless can sustain its competitive impact, driving Charter to subscriber-based contraction, the stock could fall even further. A fully taxed free cash flow yield of 15% implies $240 per share and a 7.2 times EBITDA multiple. Impossible? No. But these are what-ifs that we think are unlikely to occur. A more reasonable near-term bottom. Charter would be at a 10% free cash flow yield with the current share count at $400. Conversely, if we used our 2022 free cash flow per share estimate of $41.63 and a 10% free cash flow yield, it implies a $416 stock price. The difference is the latter benefits from 23 million shares repurchased at an average price of $437 over the next nine months. $416 also implies 8.7 times our 2022 EBITDA estimate. That compares to T-Mobile's current EBITDA multiple of 9.2 times. Note that we include tax and pension liabilities in our TEV to EBITDA valuations. But what is fair value? We believe fair value of charter for year-end 2022 is $500, based on a fully taxed 2023 free cash flow yield of 8.5%, and an EBITDA multiple that is nine times our 2023 estimate. While that represents 17% upside from current levels, we don't believe it's enough to merit a buy rating in light of the risk of falling numbers and lower share repurchase. For context, we believe T-Mobile should be Charter's primary comparable. T-Mobile's growth rate and margins are marginally superior to Charter, and they have lower risk of increasing CapEx. The wireless industry is more competitive than home broadband, although the competitive dynamics have been weakening in recent years. We believe fair value for T-Mobile is $140, which implies nine times our 2023 EBITDA estimate and a fully taxed 2023 free cash flow yield of 4.6%. Where are we buyers? As we discussed throughout the report, the longer-term consensus estimates have to come down. We also note that there is downside risk to our estimates, particularly if wireless broadband can sustain its recent growth. As numbers fall, downgrades pile up, and we gain more visibility on the sustainability of the threat of wireless competition, we will reevaluate. In the unlikely chance the stock drops to $355, we might feel compelled to act. This represents a 30% discount to our estimated year-end fair value, 
implies an 11% free cash flow yield on fully taxed 2021 numbers and an over 13% free cash yield on our 2023 estimate. The drivers behind our conservative growth outlook. Charter is facing multiple risks to growth in broadband. First, the number of DSL subscribers available to cannibalize is dwindling. Second, fiber and wireless present new and legitimate competitive threats. Third, growth was pulled forward due to the pandemic. And fourth, market penetration is at 85%. How many DSL subs left to donate? DSL has been a share donor to its ISP competitors for more than a decade, losing 10 percentage points of market share over that period. But now, there are less than 10 million DSL subscribers left in America and another 5 million VDSL subs. That remaining 13% market share doesn't leave much low-hanging fruit on which cable operators can feast. Over the next five years, we expect DSL and VDSL to drop to 2 million households, representing less than 2% share of the market. Some might argue that our DSL runoff assumptions might be too aggressive, as sub-losses have moderated from peak levels in 2018. Half of the remaining DSL subs are AT&T U-verse customers, which AT&T hopes to retain with new fiber builds. Is cable's market share about to peak? Cable operators have been the primary beneficiary of the DSL conversion. Cable's broadband market share has increased to 65% in 2021 from 56% in 2011. We expect these share gains to come to an end in 2023 and then contract to less than 62% by the end of 2026. That might seem like a marginal contraction in share, but it translates to a forward five-year CAGR of subscribers to 1.5%. That compares to greater than 5% CAGR over the past five years. Fiber builds are coming. Telcos have laid out plans for fiber builds that will pass 30 million households over the next five years. There are also incremental fiber builds from privately funded operators and some cable coasts. That's a big step up from the 40 million homes passed by fiber today. Fiber to the home deployments have demonstrated rapid consumer adoption, topping 30% penetration within three years. Cable operators argue that these share gains will be harder to achieve in the future thanks to speed boosts from CapEx light network upgrades like high splits. We believe consumer dissatisfaction with the cable company runs a bit deeper. Consumers are smarter than many acknowledge and might not be easily mollified by a boost to their upload speeds in the months preceding a new fiber offering by a competitor. We acknowledge that the competitive dynamics are different by market and that not all telcos are proficient at competing in a consumer market. However, in the absence of major fiber investment programs by cable operators, we are comfortable modeling these penetration targets for new fiber builds. Year 1, 15%. Year 2, 25%. Year 3, 35%. And year 4, 40%. What would lower fiber penetration targets look like? We ran a sensitivity to see how lower take rate on new fiber products might impact charters growth. We reduced our two to four year penetration targets used in our waterfall analysis by five percentage points. So in year four, we hit 35% penetration by the new fiber builds from which we then grow share by one percentage point a year. The reduction in our fiber estimates still left industry growth in an acceptable range, consistent with what was seen in 2018 and 2019, and within the context of an industry approaching 90% penetration. 
Nevertheless, if we assume that Charter picked up 150,000 additional net subscriber additions each year, it would add 30 basis points of growth to our revenue and profit growth estimates. This still implies low single-digit growth for Charter. Our wireless estimates are not aggressive. We expect Verizon and T-Mobile to sign up 9.3 million wireless home broadband customers by the end of 2026, which represents 7.5% share of the market. That's impressive, but below these companies' outlook. Our estimates exclude businesses and food trucks, data that Verizon elects to report, but T-Mobile doesn't. We do not expect wireless home broadband subs from AT&T or DISH. Some might find our estimates conservative in light of the impressive growth reported by Verizon and T-Mobile over the past few quarters. The surge in interest from new promotions or services often fades within a few quarters. Sustaining this level of growth over the immediate term might be more challenging as fiber builds proceed. Cable operators could also elect to invest to increase uplink speeds or just cut price. Charter's broadband ARPU is $65, compared to Verizon's consumer ARPU for wireless home broadband of $35. Wireless success could mean contraction of cable subs. Our wireless home broadband estimates may be tamer than consensus or the guidance of the companies themselves but they are still a contributing factor to our expectation that cable broadband growth will slow. Cable's unfettered feast on DSL subs is coming to an end, and wireless offers a legitimate alternative to a disgruntled subset of cable's subscriber base. If wireless operators can deliver on their own guidance, cable operators might face a contraction in their subscriber base rather than simply a deceleration of growth as reflected in our models. We could be wrong on the market level view. Our analysis begins with bottoms-up modeling on the primary companies in the sector, but leans heavily on a top-down review of the industry. If individual company net ad estimates sum up to an elevated industry growth estimate, we make adjustments. In this case, we adjusted cable down and stuck with our fiber and wireless broadband estimates. This method is not perfect. For example, the wireless industry added 9 million phone subscribers in 2021 and does not appear to be materially abating in 2022. That is well above historical growth levels, despite the wireless market reaching near full penetration. Was there pull forward in home broadband? The surge in broadband subscriber growth in 2020 was more understandable than wireless. COVID-19 impacted work and school life and the need for improved connectivity in the home. 2020 Net subscriber additions of 5 million were higher than normalized levels of 3 million. The cable operators called this pull forward. Home broadband growth did begin to abate in the second half of 2021. We believe it's reasonable to expect industry home broadband net additions to normalize back to 3 million per year in 2023. In fact, it's plausible that industry growth should be even lower given the impact of pull forward in 2020 and 2021. Keep in mind, this market is now north of 80% penetration, and there is billions of government funding targeted at closing the final 20%. Wireless. Wireless. Wireless represents an incremental revenue growth opportunity for Charter and a method to lower overall account churn. Yet, after nearly four years of service, it is yet to turn a profit. Charter has racked up $1.5 billion of cumulative EBITDA losses, for the 3.9 million wireless subscribers it services. 
it originally expected to hit break even at 2 million subs. We don't think it reaches that milestone until 2023 when subs top 5 million. We expect Charter's wireless sub base to rise to nearly 10 million by the end of 2026. We expect these subs to generate $4 billion of service revenue, representing 7% of total service revenue at Charter. We also expect wireless to contribute $1 billion of EBITDA in 2026, representing an ambitious 25% service margin and 4% of total company EBITDA. Risks. The greatest risk to Charter is mainly from fiber overbuilds. If wireless competition is more successful than we anticipate, it could lead to a contraction in Charter's broadband subscriber base. The the company could also be impacted by a larger decline in pay TV subs than we forecast. Thanks for your interest in Lightshed Research. Let us know if you need a copy of Industry Models or the individual company models. Have a great week.